Thanks for tuning in to the Cannabis Today podcast. I'm Steve Blank. On this edition of the podcast, I'm rejoined by Max Montrose, founder of the Tricom Institute. Max is an authoritative voice for the cannabis industry with over a decade of industry experience. He is an educational advisor to government, business, and public sectors, specializing in cannabis safety, education, and awareness. Max is the author of the National Cannabis Industry Textbook, which is certified by multiple government agencies, reviewed and approved by industry-leading lawyers, doctors, and scientists. Max developed the Cannabis Sommelier Program dissecting cannabis variety types and their psychoactivity called interpening. To join the conversation, visit canna-today.com or connect with us on social media. As always, please rate, review, subscribe, and share. Without further ado, Max Montrose of the Tricom Institute. Pretty chill for about the next hour or so. How's your Friday treating you? Pretty good, man. I was just telling the listeners who are now that um, I'm, uh, I'm at Vicente Cedarberg which is uh, the cannabis law firm that actually wrote Amendment 64 that legalized cannabis uh, in Colorado and in many other states as well. So um, I'm having a super interesting meeting here today. But uh, yeah, I'm just a huge fan of what the legal guys do because, you know, it's, um, it's the passionate cannabis consumers who are really high-level attorneys that actually made this entire world possible for us. Um, you know, like, uh, you know, the group normal, sure. Love normal, but you know, they've been trying to legalize weed since when the seventies. So for 40 years, they have been marching and marching and marching, but, um, you know, it was, uh, it was just the small law office that actually wrote the bill that got it passed. That actually makes cannabis lawful. Um, and so, uh, um, really just a, kind of a different in, uh, different approach. But um, yeah, I, I always love being here. Super cool. Right on. Sounds uh, sounds super interesting. Let me, yeah. uh, before we start deep diving anything uh, uh, in any direction it should go, maybe just give you an opportunity for uh, the segment of our audience that isn't familiar with you yet, or maybe those yeah. who uh, of your audience who could maybe use a refresher, maybe just introduce yourself to everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, thanks again for having me, man. I appreciate it. We've it's been a while. I I was on your show, what, what, three, four years ago, five years ago. It it was, we're, it was certainly in years at this point. Um, and yeah. I was talking to Brandon. We were chatting via email and stuff. And I, as sort of a producer engineer nerd, felt the need to say like, hey, uh, we're gonna kind of elevate the uh, the level of production last time because. Uh, as far as I can remember, I guess in short, it was my experience that um, it was a really great conversation. Uh, but I was like in a park, I was outside, and I was still on the um, the wave of like better to have these conversations recorded at all than not. So I give you that to say, like it was just a recorded phone call conversation. I had a third party app just kind of capture whatever we happened to be talking about. I was like in a park, and it was all windy and all that good stuff. So. Um, super excited to have you here and furthermore to have you here in a capacity that really allows you to, uh, to, uh, uh, effectively communicate yourself, man, instead of, uh, the breeze blowing as well. Not that that's always a bad thing. Well, I appreciate it. So for, for your people who don't know me, um, uh, my name is Max Montrose. I am born and raised in Denver, Colorado, um, helps the cannabis movement become a, a thing. Um, I've worked in dispensaries, grows, extraction labs, 
testing laboratories. I've worked with different government agencies, uh, legislatures, health departments, marijuana enforcement divisions, all sorts of stuff. Um, I, uh, I started a cannabis education company, the Tricom Institute, um, out of uh, frustration that the vast majority of people who use cannabis uh, work with it, create laws around it, prescribe it, um, really believe that they know quite a bit about it. And uh, when you sit down with these people or general cannabis experts, even um, you'll very you'll quickly find that a lot of cannabis experts don't really know um, a whole lot about cannabis, and there's just so much misinformation about cannabis in general that uh, education was needed. The thing, though, is our approach to cannabis education is way different from everyone else. Uh, we teach you why these plants are not indica and sativa. Um, you know, most bud tender educations focus on stuff like that. Um, we teach people why THC is not an equation of potency, why plants that have half the amount of THC can get you twice as high. Um, we, we run the Cannabis Sommelier program in Turpening. We just came out with our uh, newest book on it, 130-page hardcover textbook that covers in depth a lot of those ideas that I was just covering. Um, we also produce cool tools. These are uh, This is the weed wheel to help you gauge the psychopharmacy of any domesticated hybrid flower, how the effects will treat you, uh, how intoxicated you might get based on your personal tolerance. Um, we even make other things like this, so the hash wheel. Um, extraction method, uh, potency, consistency, purity, color for all the different types of passion concentrates out there. We write um, textbooks on the responsible vendor program, certified by multiple government agencies, cannabis product and sales training, all sorts of stuff. But we talk about that kind of stuff on a lot of my uh, podcasts all the time. And so I, uh, uh, we don't have to take a deep dive into interpreting um cannabis sommeliership if you want to talk about some other stuff um i'm down to do that so that and if there are people are the wheels available for purchase <laughs> yes um not i'm not trying to make this a sales thing but all these things that i do everybody all, naturally tricominstitute.com um everything's right there we have different packages uh the course that we teach people um, about cannabis at an expert level. The level one course is five hours, um, and that's the interpreting methodology course. So I would, I would really look through that. But yeah, I would say as, a, as an education company in the cannabis space, we teach people how and why the majority of people who teach people about cannabis repeat cannabis misinformation. Um, and so uh, I, I think cannabis misinformation is our bread and butter. Uh, in fact, we came out with a, a show on cannabis misinformation specifically on YouTube called Spliff Busters. So like Mythbusters, we bust cannabis myths left and right. Uh, we've got four episodes, each are 10 minutes long. Um, and we just destroy things like the fact that land race means the exact opposite uh, than the cannabis industry thinks it does. Um, the idea of a land, uh, pure strain or pure sativa, so uh, stuff like that. But um, if anybody has any questions about a cannabis myth uh, or something that you've always wanted to know about on a deeper level, I would love to entertain some uh, crush some ganja myths right here and now right or on. whatever you want to lead, man, like whatever you want to know. For sure. And um, I'm all for uh, going outside of that and, and just exploring uh, a good conversation uh, in short. But before... I get away from any of that. Um, there's yeah. been 
a number of uh maybe not comments but certainly direct messages maybe there's some comments as well but um as a as a, a fellow consumer you know as a a, a viewer of the market space uh, you speak to cannabis misinformation and a lot of people seem to not have faith in the origins of of your your teachings and the, these concepts that a lot of your principles are based on so i don't really uh say that from a place of like in, intending to back you in a corner or whatever i say this from kind of like more or less a know nothing capacity of i see what anybody else who might follow along on the internet sees and a lot of that is what an excellent resource i'm so happy i found this thank you so much max where can i learn more you know, what's next? And then the other half is like, um, you know, yeah. Max is a witch doctor. This Where's all this coming from? Don't listen to him. Where does this information come from? Yeah. No. And you know what? That's that's fair. And let's you want to dig into that? Because let's dig into that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, and by all means, dude, I'm, I totally want to go outside of that and just enjoy this with you. But specifically yeah. as it relates to like what it is you do and the information that you produce, I, that's one thing that's always intrigued me is is it's super um, a, a very polarized audience, if you will, of some people are like, what ha- what would cannabis have been to me without having found this resource? And the other half is like, who does this guy think he is? What is this yep. all based on? And so can we kind of yeah clear that up for everybody, maybe once and for all? Yeah, let's clear that up. Um, thank you for the opportunity. So here's the interesting thing. The people who want to call me on my shit um i applaud them sure and the reason why is because you should be calling people on their shit in this industry and that's because you know i go to cannabis conferences all the time and i see experts stand up on stage lecturing to hundreds or thousands of people and it is pure bullshit that they're speaking about just pure they don't they're not from the business. They don't know. Most of them aren't even cannabis consumers. And and here's something else that's true. Your most hardcore OG um, growers from the Emerald Triangle who've been doing this the longest, some of those guys know the very least technical information when it comes to cannabis because they don't read scientific documents. They're outside practicing growing really good cannabis. Um, so there's this spectrum of knowledge base, right? But what's true is... The vast majority of cannabis educators today, they do just spew out pure cannabis misinformation. So you should say, who are you? What have you done in this industry? How long have you been growing? Did you ever experience the black market? Do you have OG status? What have you done to make this industry available for other people and accessible? Where does your information come from? And has anybody reviewed and approved your information because if you're going to pay someone to teach you something you deserve to make sure that you're being taught accurate information and not bullshit so i applaud anyone and everyone who questions me and where my information comes from and i request that everyone does that to every other cannabis educator hold these people up to the highest regard do that um okay so where does my information come from not cannabis magazines, not blogs, not people's opinions, uh, not thought leaders, 
definitely not um, social media uh, uh, cannabis stars or, or that kind of stuff. My, my information doesn't come from anywhere like that. It just doesn't. Um, I do spend the time reading the really, really technical scientific documents. Um, if you want to know about cannabinoids, Dr. Raphael Meshulam discovered uh, THC, Hebrew University, Jerusalem, 1964. If you want to do uh, terpenes, UK, um, you know, Ethan Russo. Um, if you want to know about cannabinoid pharmacokinetic pharmacology, how cannabis chemistry works within the human body, the world authority on that is um, Dr. Franjo Grottenherman, uh, Nova University, Germany. Um, he's reviewed my information in my textbooks on how cannabis affects people and has approved that what I have published is accurate. Um, I'm sitting in the law office right now, Vicente Cedarberg, who legalized cannabis damn near almost everywhere in the U.S. currently. They're the legal review in my textbooks who have reviewed and approved my curriculum. So what's really interesting is a lot of cannabis education companies and some of the best well-known cannabis schools out there, the vast majority of their programs, courses, classes, and information in general has not been reviewed or approved by anyone. And I think that's bullshit. Um, so, yeah, even some of the most well-known, famous cannabis education companies, some of their courses are just total junk. And it's because they don't have a process like the Tricom Institute does that ensures that we are reviewed and approved. Um, at the same time, we are publishing brand new information on cannabis that can't be reviewed or approved by anyone because they're not reviewing something they can approve based on something else because it's brand new, right? So we have published so many things in the cannabis industry that are brand new. Um, in the new interpreting book, we published the seventh type of trichome on the cannabis plant. Uh, if you get the um, cannabis pharmacopoeia, uh, of, uh, cannabis inflorescence pharmacopoeia US, I think 2012, that is like the, the, the god article of cannabis science, botanically. Um, they only publish six trichomes. And we know that there's a seventh kind. Um, we also are the only company that, or the only publication that says, we promise that if you use your sixth human sense, which is not your sense of smell, but your sense of feeling in your face, which is your trigeminal nerve, that human beings can actually sense the spectrum of psychopharmacy of any domesticated hybrid plant type. Has anyone reviewed and approved that? No. Do we need science to double blind test that? Yes. Have we, have I independently trained over 4,000 people in this subject matter in person around the world? Yes. And 99% of them are blown away with how incredible the process works. It needs to be reviewed. It needs to be approved. But that's where you're at when you're at the foundation of new science. You, you have to start somewhere. And we're starting from somewhere that doesn't come from industry bullshit. Like this is not my mom's basement and I'm not 15. We're, we're adults now, we're professionals. The cannabis industry is a multi-billion dollar marketplace. Let's get real. So, and you're not in your mom's basement again, right? No, I'm actually at a law right now oh weird um, i've been in my mom's basement quite a quite a lot quite, quite a while but i'm, I'm kidding uh, i did I... grow weed in my mom's basement and, and sell sell some sacks of weed out of her basement a few years of my life but that was quite a long time ago sure right on well i appreciate you 
taking the time to clarify and doing so in a way where, you know, you didn't interpret that as me throwing shots. Obviously, you know, that's a question that you get a lot. And just based on the dynamic feedback that I got and that I see to your content, I was like, let me open the window so that we can, you know, punch a hole through whatever uh, uh, veil is here. So anyway, um, appreciate you taking the time to hammer into that. What was I going to ask you? Otherwise, right before that, um, have you seen any comments that have caught your eye since? I'll, I'll definitely peel oh, them I back. Did. And you know, you know what's driving me crazy? I I was responding to the comment, and so I've got the comment box up, so I can't see anything except the blank comment box. I don't, and I'm like touching the side of the screen and trying. Oh, there it is. Got it. Uh, I saw one comment that said uh, they wanted to crush the myth of flushing, and I didn't know if they meant. Um, I don't know what they meant by flushing. But um, there, there is definitely a flushing myth that I can cover. Uh, so to satisfy uh, this person, um, here's the deal. Believe it or not, most people who grow cannabis, who know what flushing is, believe they know what flushing is, and flush incorrectly. And so uh, for those of you out there who aren't growers, let me just talk about what flushing is means first of all so um you know cannabis has a vegetative and a flower life cycle at a minimum the flower life cycle is eight weeks generally at a minimum of the veg cycle it's you know anywhere between four to eight weeks and we're talking about the cannabis industry not growing actual weed in your backyard the way you should we're talking about production right um okay if you're growing a plant in this industry where you've got people who actually think the more chemistry you put into it, the more chemistry you'll get out of it. Not true. Um, you got guys who will feed these plants, uh, nitrogen, potassium, phosphorus, manganese, iron, copper, sulfur, silica, everything. You're plugging these cannabis plants packed full of nutrients, which are salt based. If you do not take those nutrients out of the plant's body, before you cut the plant down, what the result is, is you smoke the plant and you get those hot spider webs in your chest where you're doing one of those. It's because you're coughing on all of those nutrients and those salts in the flower uh, because they haven't been removed. So a big flushing myth is giving your cannabis plant clean water for the last two weeks of its flower cycle. That's not flushing. That's called watering. And it's watering if the water doesn't have nutrients in it. If nutrients are in it, you're feeding. Feeding versus watering. Flushing means to physically flush the grow medium that has the residual salts and nutrients built up within it to power wash those away from the roots so when the roots get wet again during a feeding or a watering, they don't sponge up and reabsorb the salt bases while you also stop feeding the plant for those two weeks and only give it waterings while you're flushing out the system. So if you're an indoor grower who grows inside uh, with pots that has synthetic nutrients, you're going to want to flush your plants. And flushing doesn't happen all the time because there are people who grow in the earth, no-till, um, uh, organic, uh, biodynamic, agro forestry, whatever, their plants are so clean in the first place, um, there's there's no need for a flush. Um, but uh, yeah, some plants definitely need to be flushed, and 
There you go. I hope that was something new. Right on. Uh, any, yeah. I have a, I got another device here. I'll peel through some, some comments and definitely try to get as many of those questions answered as possible. Sure. Um, one thing I did want to ask you um, is like origins. Where does all this come from f- for you? Uh, you kind of alluded, I think, to it being uh, Tricom Institute being um, a solution uh, as the result of your own frustration. Yeah. So I guess even kind of before that like the body of work that you're putting in now and maybe this is a little less like industry and a little more meta or personal or heady or whatever um like what were you into when you were 12 you know what was the 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 stuff that that most captivated you in terms of like how what what are the influences that led to you being pumped about what it is you do and who you're doing it for today kind of thing yeah. So, you know, a lot of podcasts and magazines that cover my life story cover the fact that I'm an ADD dyslexic with psychomotor agitation who didn't learn how to read till I was in fifth grade and went to special schools my whole life. And um, that I used, I taught myself interpreting as a teenager um, and got myself off of pharmaceuticals by um, learning how to gauge the five varietal um, effect types that the spectrum of cannabis produces, not this indica sativa thing. There's thousands of domesticated hybrid biotypes on this massive spectrum. And there's only two kinds. Bullshit. Um, you know, most people cover that. Uh, High Times is coming out with an article on me soon um, that covers something most people don't cover, which is my shamanic heritage um, and how I've been seeing and talking to plants and animals since I was three years old, and I still do that to this day. Um, I don't know if people understand that, um, you know, my, my, I was, I was so bad at school that I didn't know how to read. And my parents, uh, basically the thing that I was really into when I was 12 was snakes. Okay. And if you follow my personal page, um, Max Montrose, you will see me literally traveling the world, catching venomous snakes barehanded because I am still addicted to it. Like I'm six. Um, but, uh. My ability to be sensitive with nature and my fascination with the bizarre nature, reptiles, amphibians, arachnids, and plants that give me the opportunity to become an alchemist for myself, I can alchemically change my way of being in the space that I am, in the way that I perceive the world, in my effect types. There's something really magical and shamanic about being with nature and having nature be with you and having a symbiotic relationship with it. And so some people, you know, like I'm in a law office with my darky textbooks wearing my collared shirt, right? People don't know that in reality, I'm like crawling around in the dirt in my boxers with a big fat spliff in my hands, getting as muddy and buggy as I can. And that's really what I like. (laughs) that's like that's really uh that's what i am on a daily basis i'm covered in bugs and dirt and weed and and um shamanically i'm speaking with the plants and plants are speaking back to me they're teaching me things um cannabis taught me interpreting cannabis taught me how to save myself cannabis taught me how to stop using pharmaceuticals um cannabis teaches me how to be a better person when i uh you know sit with it and meditate with it so 
Most people don't know that kind of shit. I appreciate you letting us know, man. What was uh, your last cannabis meditation with? And I'll, I'll look away while you uh, an- answer that. But your your last meditation session, if you will, uh, what was the, the medium and what was the uh, the strain? And how did you last meditate, man? Um, you know, uh, I don't believe in strains. I believe in interpreting. Okay. It's the last line of my book. <laughs> uh, and there's a reason for that. Um, you know, like, let's not make it too complicated. Let's not say there's a, a position and a breath work and a strain and a variety type. Like, just screw all of that. Let's just say I sat on my bathroom floor in half darkness smoked a real thick bong bowl and sat there and closed my eyes. And you know what I realized? How I could be a better person by having the cannabis let me witness in my past things that I said or did that I wish I did, you know? And when you meditate without um, plant teachers, entheogens, sacred medicines that kind of whisper that knowingness into your ear, it's much harder to um, become a more chiseled shaman uh, when you just do it in your own mind. But the plants have a mind of their own, and they work with the cosmos and the cosmos and the whole of it all. And uh, they know the truth. Um, don't follow gurus. Follow plants. You know, uh, Terence McKenna said that, and he's the world's um, authority on psychedelica. Uh, by the way. The uh, TV show online, Psychedelica, uh, Gaia. I'm in the cannabis episode and the cactus episode. Nice. Next week, um, they, they're doing a live panel here in Denver on cactus. Um, so I'll be doing, uh, if you want to learn about uh, plant teachers and sacred cacti types, probably won't find that on the Trichome Institute channel, but uh, it is a Max Montrose thing that happens. <laughs> nice. So let me peel this back. It's You got a firmly packed bowl and a dimly lit bathroom kicking it on the floor is is interpreting um the no is it no is or what i was asking about was really like um is interpreting to the newcomer and to those you know hearing and watching and all that good stuff for the first time is that the means with which you navigate um through varieties of 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 cannabis at this point. So the same way I got yeah, up today and sure. thought, where are my lemon Skittles? You know, where's my Mandarin OG and let's pack up that purple Kush for tonight. That sounds like that's not how you navigate cannabis. Can you uh, confirm? Well, I mean, what you, you just said is strain name, strain name, strain name, strain name, strain name. Right. Um, if you go to, if you go to YouTube and you type in um, Colorado's most counterfeit strain, Blue Dream. Blue Dream. I saw you can that. Watch me. You can watch me uh, run around Denver, and I buy six types of Blue Dream in like an hour uh, from different dispensaries. I go back to my office. We analyze the inflorescence of each cola structure. I um, mean, I just proved to you that um, I think uh, two out of the six were damn near the same, like pretty close, and what I would consider to be Blue Dream from a varietal perspective, um, but. Um, the reason why the last sentence of my book says I don't believe in strains, I believe in interpreting, is because 
the 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 world doesn't understand that the cannabis industry just came from the black market a few years ago. And if you think these guys have been like keeping consistent uh, literature on their bridles, you're crazy because that's dangerous. So, um, you know, um, it's also not fair when companies think about the big ones that have strain finder apps where, you know, if you've got PTSD and you need to go find a bridle of cannabis, like it, it would suck if what you're looking for is something based on its name and not the effect, like Blue Dream. And then you go pick up something called Blue Dream from your dispensary, and the effect that you get from it is not the effect that, you, that the website says you would because it's not the same thing. Welcome to weed. That's like going into a dispenser, uh, a, um, a liquor store and asking for an IPA and being served a Pilsner. How offensive. Um, and so you're talking about medical patients, right, that are trying to access certain varietals of medicine that do specific things to them. The strain name isn't going to help you get there. Neither is a THC percentage. Um, and that's why, you know, I love, I, I make fun of stoners. Um, in the, in the Splitbusters episode by, I started off by saying, um, oh man, I'm looking for uh, Girl Scout cookies, 30% THC. It's like, yeah, good luck. Because uh, 30% THC doesn't mean anything. THC is not an equation of bioavailability, nor is it going to tell you if your herb is going to be a stimulant or a sedative or how qualitative your product is. So your strain name basically steers you in the wrong direction and your THC percentage is meaningless because it has nothing to do with how potent your herb is. Um, so <laughs> what does matter? Only two things. The quality of your weed. Like, is this safe for me to consume? Am I not going to smoke bugs? Uh, is the weed I'm smoking ripe? Because uh, legislatively mandated lab testing won't tell you any of that. Uh, um, you want to know, like, yeah, is the, is the quality of my bud good for me to smoke? You want to know that. And then the second thing you want to know is, when I smoke this herb, what's it going to do to me? You want to know that, too. So interpreting will actually tell you those two things every single time, no matter what the THC percentage is or the strain name, because we don't care, because those things don't affect the quality of the product or what it's going to do to you. They just don't. Interpreting does. So if you learn interpreting methodology and the structure of it in seconds, when, you, when your face approaches a jar of flour, um, you know the quality of your product and what it's going to do to you in literally seconds. It's actually fascinating that the human face can determine the spectrum of psychopharmacy, the difference between an herb that's either a stimulant or a sedative, the way that high pressure liquid chromatography that tests for cannabinoid value doesn't. That's incredible. Uh, that's interpreting. Well, yeah, and that's why I don't believe in strains and I believe in interpreting. So yeah, so if I'm going to sit down and meditate, um, I don't need a varietal that is, you know, stony baloney and, and sedative. And, you know, I, I, I would probably want something a little more um, mentally stimulating. Um, because when I'm meditating, what I'm doing is stimulating my mind and exploring it. And so, um, yeah, interpreting could help you pick the varietal to help you meditate better, regardless of whatever the hell it's called. Like, it doesn't matter. Right on. Appreciate you clarifying, man, and inviting us into that dimly lit bathroom. Um, <laughs> what, um, 
so one thing I specifically remember about the last time you and I talked, we talked about, um, it was like maybe just briefly towards the end of our conversation, but you were like, dude, I don't know if you know this, but next year or sometime sooner, psilocybin mushrooms are going to be on the ballot. And I was like, got it, Max. Thanks. And, uh. <laughs> Here we are. And, and so I know based on, uh, our emails and, and, and chats and stuff, um, we're in the same space, man. Are you in Denver? I am. I am in Denver where mushrooms have become, uh, decriminalized. Um, and just to answer one person's quick question, they're like, how can we tell, educate, elevate? Right. Um, that's what we do for a living. We educate people how to do this. Trichominstitute.com classes, courses, books, tools, microscopes to look for your little insects with, terpene kits to train your nose how to what to smell for. Um, my whole company is designed to teach you how to engage cannabis thoughtfully in the right way, um, all the way up to be training you how to be a weed expert at a very high level. So yes, trichominstitute.com. Uh, but if you're into things like mushrooms, cactus, psychedelics, not Trichome Institute, um, that would be my personal, which is Max Montrose. Um, so yeah, so when it comes to mushrooms, here's the deal. Everyone, like everyone and their mother heard something on the news and their perspective is mushrooms are now legal in Colorado. These little mushroom businesses are popping up, blah, blah, blah. Hold your horses. <laughs> what's, what's happening is, um, you know, the city of Denver decriminalized cannabis before it legalized cannabis. And then the city of Denver legalized cannabis before the state of Colorado did. People have to really understand how this stuff happens in incremental levels. You just have to like get that. Okay. Um, this stuff does not happen overnight. Um, funny enough, a lot of people know that Colorado was the first state to legalize cannabis in 2012. Most people don't know that the city of Denver legalized cannabis in 2005 legal you can walk around with an ounce of cannabis on your person in the city of denver and not even get a ticket because it's more than decriminalized it's legalized they just didn't have a for sale system for it so we're in that new space right now when it comes to psilocybin mushrooms and the first step is decriminalization so get the soccer moms to get over that hump first right and then we do the, the schedule one drug trick, medicalization, right? Because all schedule one drugs are defined as being um, highest potential for overdose death, highest potential for addiction, and absolutely no medical value. And we know um, you can't really die on psilocybin mushrooms from overdosing the way that you can't on cannabis. They're non-addictive. Do you know anyone who wants to eat mushrooms every day? <laughs> Right. Um, and I hate to break it to you, but they're extremely medically beneficial. Um, who says they are? John Hopkins University across the street from Harvard through the program MAPS. Um, uh, that's Rick Doblin, a friend of mine. Um, so, like, you know, mushrooms. How do mushrooms work medically uh, for depression? Easy. Um, they rearrange the dendritic synapses of your cerebral cortex by creating new neurological pathways. So if you're stuck in your same old neurological pathways, what would it be like if you made some new ones? 
depression, people are getting over depression. People are getting over addictions. People are becoming more human because of mushrooms. And that's why they're against the law, most likely. <laughs> I'm sure that the pharmaceutical industry doesn't want people um, uh, being healthy and happy. Um, because when you have healthy, happy people, you don't sell happy pills because uh, people don't need them because they're happy, right? So um, we're, we're starting that process with mushrooms right now is we're, we're educating governments and soccer moms. It's okay. People aren't going to die. Um, and they do have medical benefits. So you can't claim that they don't. And if you want to curb the black market um, and benefit from tax revenue and have a system that ensures safety so that people don't go to the ER and use our you know, cities resources constantly, you might want to consider regulating the substance that people want. It's actually pretty safe. And the best way to do that is with education. <laughs> so that's why I'm in education, because like education is the key. Uh, if you educate soccer moms and legislatures why their opinion-based fears are opinion-based and rooted in fear and not science and reality, then you can start shifting the, the, the conversation. Um, so the mushroom thing is happening. What, uh, at what rate do you see this thing happening? You know, you talked about compared it to the dynamic of, uh, Denver's cannabis decriminalization and the, the, the path that that took and eventually to a multi-state and national level at this point. Um, what's the, what's the road like in, in your eyes for psilocybin and, and, uh, in a similar capacity. So, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. What What's true is we live in a culture that has been um, demolished in misinformation when it comes to pretty much all drugs. And what people really know to be true about drugs is the kind that they have the most access to, which is pharmaceuticals. And pharmaceuticals are super, super, super dangerous. People just really have this idea. Drugs are bad. Drugs are bad, okay? Right? Um, so that's the hurdle that we have to get over, is you almost have to change someone's religion, right? So we're talking about proselytizing. We have to go around and knock on neighborhood doors and tell people that the thing that they've always believed to be true might not be. Um, and the way that you do that effectively by not... Um, uh, you know, talking down to them or making them feel wrong is by just explaining to them the thing that they don't know that if they did know, they might benefit from. Um, and so it's, it's a conversation, but we're talking about the United States of America that is so rooted in the stigma of uh, drugs, especially um, good drugs, not bad drugs. You know, there's such a thing as bad drugs. I don't do bad drugs. Um, I've never tried heroin, I've never tried crystal meth, and I've never tried coke. And I never will, because those drugs are bad. Um, I eat cactus, I eat mushrooms, I drink ayahuasca. Um, I'm interested in NN and 5-MeO dimethyltryptamine. Why? Because these substances are super safe. <laughs> They're extremely safe from a physical perspective, especially. And if you do them correctly, they're also safe from a social and mental perspective. So 
Yeah, someone just said uh, Nixon and Reagan. Right. So we're talking about CSA, Controlled Substance Act, 1972. We're talking about 40 years of prohibition. And what's been prohibited is um, reality. So we now live in a, you know, two generations later, we live in a world where the people who make up the rules and the people who complain about them the most live in a world of their own reality where all drugs are bad. And that's not true. Um, I would argue that 90% of every Schedule One drug should probably be a Schedule Three, based on how safe they are, how less of a risk they have for addiction, and how medically beneficial they actually are. Gotcha. It's something you have to, teach. you know what I mean? It's, it's going to take a while to teach people. Yeah, absolutely. It's certainly taken a while to teach people and continue to teach around cannabis. You know, there are people out there that still believe that I'll... Uh, eat my neighbor if I smoke one joint too many or something. So the, the psilocybin conversation might take a little longer. Yeah. And I mean, I've got a great example for you. Uh, talk about soccer moms who don't get it. Um, there's a, um, an Instagram page about uh, mothers um, who use cannabis. And, you know, there's often talk about how okay is it for a mother to be breastfeeding? Uh, while using cannabis, um, or pregnant, uh, which is really interesting stuff. Um, and this one mom uh, made this comment, and she's one of those soccer moms that does not use cannabis, uh, doesn't know anyone who does, doesn't have a clue, just doesn't know what she's talking about. What's up, Seattle Zig? Um, and, you know, she just wanted to let the whole cannabis industry know what's scientifically true, because she's got two degrees in science that any amount of consumption of cannabis leads to impairment. And therefore, no parent who's impaired should be in uh, charge of a child. And I'm just like, wait, cannabis leads to impairment? For who? Like, people who don't have tolerances do it? Because that's true. And it is true that if you don't have a tolerance to cannabis and it intoxicates you and you're impaired, yeah, you shouldn't be in charge of watching a child while you're impaired. So people agree to that. And what we're trying to explain to this mom is, do you understand, lady, that there's some people in this world that use cannabis on a daily basis, and they have a really high tolerance to it, and the substance of cannabis is not like alcohol. It's not like you drink more and become more inebriated. And It's not like these moms are using cannabis and getting drunk. It's actually like they're using cannabis and drinking a cup of coffee. In fact, they're not high, they're medicated, and they're so knowledgeable on their own tolerance base, and they love their kids enough to know not to watch them intoxicated. I just, I'm just trying to explain to you, it must be hard for someone who doesn't use a drug that has no understanding of how this drug is so different from so many other drugs to understand the fact that a mom could smoke a fat bowl of ganja and maybe be a better mom because... She's grounded because the cannabis did that for her because that's what she needs in her life because she's a medical patient. So sorry, soccer mom who doesn't use weed, who has two degrees in science. Your opinion based in fear is not science based. Get your fucking weed, get your science degrees out of here. 
Um, you're talking to someone who writes textbooks on weed for a living. In fact, don't ask me. I'm a guy. I'm not a mom. Go fucking call a mom who smokes weed and ask her. She's not obliterated. And that's what we're fighting is these people who are like science-based and they're drugs and you can't be a mom and smoke weed at the same time. It's like, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, the can of like coffee. It's not like vodka. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Absolutely. The can of moms came out in, in full force in the comments after you open that can of worms and and absolutely verified to say that it one uh said it made them a more present mom i think and uh reminds me of uh an example like at at work that i used to tell people growing up uh like working in restaurants and stuff like that people would be like dude you're gonna go smoke right now and on break and like i'm like how do you do this high and literally my response is something along the lines of how do you do this not high? You know, like I wouldn't, I yeah. would not be able to do this not high. You know, I am, I am a better. Uh, and so I joke with regard to the restaurant industry, but as it compares, man, I would argue that I'm, uh, you know, a, a better uh, employee, a better employer, a better broadcaster, a better brother, a better, you know, boyfriend as a result. Here's, here's the deal. I was also telling this mom, um, I said, uh, hey, lady, I hate to break this to you, but we actually have science that proves that people who do have a developed tolerance on cannabis and then use it actually have an increased amount of focus, an increased ability for hand-eye coordination, and believe it or not, an increased ability for memory retention. How do we know this? Because I've been heavily involved in THC DUI stuff. Um, I'm an expert witness for people who get in THC DUI cases. I've never lost a case in my life. I never will. Um, and I've done driving tests. But I mean, for God's sakes, if you go to YouTube and type in um, Fox News busted stone drivers, You'll see a video of me busting Fox News wearing a spy video camera behind the scenes when Fox News got me stoned on TV and put me through their driving simulator because they knew they were going to fake the whole thing. Um, and I busted them on it. It's actually great. Uh, um, I've been very involved with this kind of stuff. So what we've done is we've actually set up tests where we take a zero-tolerant consumer, a level one, a level two, and a level three. <laughs> Sorry. Um, take a level three... <laughs> Take a level three tolerant consumer, that would be me. Um, and, uh, and what we do is we give them the same hit of the same varietal at the same time, and we test their cognition patterns with cognition testing apps um, on an iPad. And so this app is designed to measure your brain ability. And so we test it sober. And we go through like our hand-eye coordination thing. And it's like, oh, uh, the, it will say the word will be green, but it will be in the color yellow. And you have to pick the right whatever, right? So just cognition testing. So we just test all the people who are have no tolerance to an extreme tolerance. Um, I hired my, my dab head who, for the extreme tolerance. Every single time we've done this test in the United States and in Canada, all the people who are a level zero tolerant consumer and a level one tolerant consumer, they become intoxicated to cannabis and they become cognitively worse. So people who don't have a tolerance to cannabis 
shouldn't drive cars after using it because it's a danger to themselves and other people. That's true. But <laughs> the amazing thing is every single time you test someone's cognition who's a high tolerant consumer and they use cannabis, everything that you're testing cognitively increases every time. Their memory increases, hand-eye coordination increases, uh, speed increases. Um, so, you know, governments have this really terrifying thing called people believe they drive better high. Well, we have science that proves that they probably do, uh, especially if they're a high tolerant consumer. And so here's the thing. Um, remember at the beginning of the show, we were talking about how I'm an ADD dyslexic with psychomotor agitation who, you, um, you were talking about it. I didn't call you that. Right. Well, anyways, the point is, is, um, how did I become someone that started an education company and wrote three, uh, very technical textbooks on cannabis by smoking weed. And that's what this lady doesn't understand is instead of taking an amphetamine, like amphetamine salt, which is Adderall, or methylphenidate, which is Ritalin, um, instead of taking Nazi-designed drugs that make me not eat, make me not sleep, and put me in a bad mood, I could use interpreting methodology to see and smell a cannabis rital type that is stimulating, that actually causes focus, and it lets me sleep, it lets me eat, and it puts me in a great mood. So cannabis literally has the exact opposite side effects of focusing drugs and what's really interesting about focusing drugs is they're for rich white people um uh adderall ritalin do how many people who are prescribed that medicine use it for a debilitating medical condition like are you so disabled medically that you have to be like that you have to take a drug on a daily basis to stabilize you or are you using it for scholastic performance enhancement to get better grades in school. I've studied this relentlessly. I hate to break it to you. Statistically, rich white people use meth on their kids so that they get better grades in school. That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, it doesn't have to be that way. I used cannabis and I stopped using Adderall. I stopped using Ritalin, Stratera, Dextra, Amphed. Um, all of those things, as a kid, I was prescribed to. Cannabis taught me the way. Cannabis showed me how to use interpreting methodology to see and smell the varietals that do cause uh, focus. So when I sit down and I work on textbooks and detailed stuff, this mom must think I'm so intoxicated, I'm just like unable to function. She doesn't understand that we're not the same person. We've got very different brains. I have such a hyperactive mind that I do need to medicate it, but I don't need to medicate it with meth. I just want to medicate it with um, terpenes and cannabinoids. And your strain name doesn't matter, but the terpene and can cannabinoid combination does. And so if you do know interpreting methodology, you can smell your way to a better life whether it's going to a concert at Red Rocks because you're not smoking a sedative while you're at a concert or, you know, you want to forget the fact that you have a job and kids and smoke some weed that takes you to that happy place while you're eating ice cream. It's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, 
yeah, that's how I view cannabis. You know, strains aren't real. It's all strain names, THCs, blah, blah, blah. You know, we teach people how to get around all that stuff. Right on, man. Well said. I, um, yeah. I'm excited by this conversation. I am going to uh, get myself involved in some interpreting uh, resources and, and, you know, deep dive in, man. Um, th- this whole podcast started, um, I think I kind of elaborated a little bit, but I started in the trade show space and um, was exposed to a lot of different cannabis, uh, you know, professionals and ancillaries and, and educators of different kinds and just had great conversations and thought, you know what, maybe I can ask them to let me record this so that more people can uh, hear what's going on. So I give you that to say, like, you know, I certainly don't have all the answers. I just try to explore as much credible content as I can. And so with that, I'm certainly uh, looking forward to deep diving some interpreting. I appreciate you making the time to kick it with us here today. I would love to catch up with you again in the future, maybe ask, uh, uh, answer some of the questions we didn't get to and uh, uh, see what else is up for exploration. Then there's a ton of stuff that we could have kept going on today, but we'll let you get back to your Friday, man. What else you got going on today? Uh, well, there's this huge meeting that I'm still in um, with some of the very famous people from California, uh, Washington, D.C., and the architects of cannabis legalization. Um, I actually stepped out of this meeting to have this podcast with you um, because uh, I was really excited to have this podcast with you. Right on, Because we, we scheduled it. But um, I'm probably going to go back to this meeting. I'm going to probably be productive for a few more hours. Um, and then it's Friday. So it might be IPA time. Um, I see my girlfriend right there with Go For It Got It. So we'll probably go uh, get our French Bulldogs, go to the park, roll a fat spliff, drink an IPA, and uh, have a Friday afternoon, man. Nice, man. Sounds good. We're off to um, uh, Canna yep. Advisors um, first Friday, 420 happy hour uh, in Boulder, nice. Colorado this afternoon. So for any of your followers, viewers, anybody on this stream interested in coming to kick it with some of the Boulder cannabis community and beyond hit me up send a message drop a comment we'll figure out a way to get you in and uh max montrose of the trichome institute and thanks again for uh, making the time to kick it here today great chat and look forward to catching up with you again in the future man thanks so much for a good platform and thanks for uh um, asking good questions different things getting into some different stuff i appreciate that makes a great podcast that you have um and so yeah, when you're in Denver, dude, hit me up and smoke a spliff. Yes, yeah, sir. We'll make that happen soon. Appreciate you, man. Kick ass at that meeting and uh, have a great weekend. Thanks, you too, brother. See you guys later. Thanks for watching, guys. To learn more, visit trichominstitute.com. For more awesome Cannabis Today content, visit canna-today.com. As always, please rate, review, subscribe, and share. Thanks again for listening to the Cannabis Today podcast.